0: A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, banana cubes. I forgot the. I forgot how to say the alphabet. That's really bad for someone who's... You know what? How about this? Daddy was a bank robber who never hurt nobody. He just loved to live that way and loved to steal your...
1: Right, and because three is a crowd, I'm here today, once again, Kelly in the bunker. How's it going today, Kelly?
0: I don't feel very good, suddenly. It's because we're in a bunker.
1: That's true. You don't get a lot of air down here. Yeah. This is Sign on the Window, where each week we randomly select a Bob Dylan song. We sit with it during the week in our lives, and we see how it feels. Sometimes the random gods give us pop music masterworks, and other weeks they give us the dregs off of some 80s recording machine. That's the beauty of the work. We love the work, and we encourage you to follow along. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life, while Kelly's only heard roughly the same number as the smallest, primitive, abundant number. And this week, we listen to 1966's I Want primitive, You from Bob Dylan's number. masterpiece, Blonde on Blonde. Wait! The guilty undertaker sighs, the lonesome organ cries, the silver saxophones say ah, refuse you bills and washed out horns blew into my face with scorn, But it's not that way I was to lose you. I want you. I want you. I want you. So, we listen to a couple of different versions of this song this week. Obviously Blonde on Blonde. We'll listen to the entire run-through of the sessions um, on the Cutting Edge, volume twelve of the bootleg series. We'll listen to Budokan. Uh, From 1978, And we listened to Completely Unplugged from 1994. Any of those right off the bat that were your favorites of all of the ones we did? The Cutting
0: Edge thing was really cool.
1: Seeing the creation of the song from one to the next.
0: So I hated this song a lot. And the Cutting Edge (laughs) made me like it a little bit more, for sure. uh, Because just hearing the different instruments kind of being singled out and hearing a different version completely, like it sounded like a different song. I like that a lot. The, uh, yeah. the, the one that's labeled on the cutting edge when it's like complete take one or whatever. I really like that a lot.
1: Yeah, the first kind of a slower, <laughs> but not as slow as Budokan. I feel like he takes that to a very slow place. Yeah. Yeah. So somewhere right in between. And the saviors who are fast asleep, they wait for you. And I wait for them to interrupt me drinking from my broken cup. And ask asking me to open up the gate for you. I want you. I want you. I want you. So bad. Yeah, I agree with you. It's enlightening to see how they how they sort of molded it into what it was, so let's give a little bit of context for the song. So it was recorded on March technically the March 9th sessions in nineteen sixty-six, but this was from three AM to seven AM in the morning. Uh, it was the last song recorded for Blonde On Blonde. Al Cooper, who plays the organ and always has something to say about all these albums, uh, said, quote, nobody has ever captured the sound of 3 a.m. better than that album. Nobody, even Sinatra, gets it as good. And just because I think this is important on this specific song, uh, Bob Dylan and Wayne Moss play guitar. Bob obviously also plays harmonica and sings. Um, Then we've got Joe South also on guitar and bass. Al Cooper, like I said, is on organ. Henry Straczynski is on piano. And Kenneth Buttry is on drums. So, want to shout them all out uh that lowry organ we had to look up the organ itself so do you have any information on that organ or nope. anything interesting <laughs> i just wanted to know you confirmed though that
0: yeah it. what exactly it was and i listened to a couple of clips of that organ independently being played on youtube and I, I definitely that's what it was the i don't know if it's lowry or Lowray, but oh. uh, it's kind of cool to see really old electric instruments because they still had technology to, to change the pitch and stuff and yeah it's neat
1: yeah that's cool um i want to had been al cooper's favorite song the whole time and he said that dylan saved it last just to bug him but interestingly because al cooper knew the song beforehand he was able to tell the musicians kind of what was coming and bob dylan doesn't do that in the studio bob shows up you are expected to play along and he has a just infinitely low boredom threshold and if you don't connect that song is lost forever so because al cooper loved it he let everybody know like this is how you play it these are the chords this is what we're doing so we were talking about euphony and we were talking about you saw a quote about bob dylan saying
0: that like i, I just looked at it. i don't even remember what i was looking at to get to this i think i was trying to figure out the organs thing that's what it was a blog post about oh, yeah. this song specifically when i was trying to figure out what that instrument was and it was something along the lines of him saying it's not the words and it's not the music it's it's all together it doesn't really matter what i'm saying it's how it sounds and that i think that is really appropriate for this song because the words might mean nothing but it sounds good with the music well at least to him that's what that was the goal right it was it was hearing it together not necessarily just like what do words sound like coming out of your mouth how do the syllables make different beats and like i think that's a cool way to make music
1: so i'm gonna read the quote possibly to see if this is the one that you were thinking of because anytime you think of blonde on blonde, the word that I think most Dylan fans are going to associate with it with it is a uh, thin, wild mercury sound, because that's what Bob compared it to, which I think is fucking beautiful. What a crazy turn of phrase. But he had a, he, This is from 1978. Reflecting on the record, he said, quote, I always hear other instruments, how they should sound. The closest I've ever got to sound that I hear in my mind was on individual bands in the Blonde on Blonde album. It's that thin, that wild mercury sound. It's metallic and bright gold with whatever that conjures up. That's my particular sound.
0: That's really cool. Like that
1: wasn't that. what you saw, though.
0: No, it wasn't that. It was because it was a comment on this track specifically. And I don't know. But along the same lines, though, that has a lot more imagery. All
1: right. So that's the context of the song. But before we get into the song itself, we got a lot of crazy elements to uh, to sort of attend to. You, I gave you the task to look up what's up with Queens and Chambermaids and all that kind of nonsense. Did you find anything? What was the results?
0: No. All right, so <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Uh, i mean the the chambermaid is actually really self-explanatory it's i guess at first well yeah chamber and maid are the root words right maid someone who cleans chamber meaning room for some reason you just thought immediately chamber pot and nothing else like someone who cleans the toilet right uh and i mean sure that's part of it because i can be in a room but uh yeah it's it started the etymology that I liked. It wasn't it really, I don't know. I did it this was a really unrewarding search for the cursory glances that I take at things. I would have really <laughs> had to work to figure this one out. And I wasn't about to do that. So I guess the first appearance of the word was around 1548. Um, and it, yeah, was, it meant someone who cleans rooms and that's it. There's really nothing else beyond that. Uh, I think what you were confused with, because you were like, no, no, no I'm pretty sure it means prostitute. No. Not that it means prostitute. <laughs> that, that there's a heavy prostitute overtone
1: <laughs> for some reason. I think what you
0: might no, have meant is. is lady-in-waiting.
1: So, what is a lady-in-waiting? It <laughs> does sound a lot like chambermaid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's all part of that royal court yeah, from yeah. the 16th you century. Know, I've seen Game of Thrones, century kind of. I
1: know. Yeah, yeah totally. I've seen the Tudors, I gotcha.
0: Right. So, a lady-in-waiting would be of a slightly higher station than like a servant in a... Royal court. It was somebody who tended to the queen or the highest female, whatever matriarch. I don't. What are they called? Queen. The queens, right? The highest royal court woman. Yeah. Had a, what was called a lady in waiting. She was, yes, her her servant kind of, but more of a confidant and someone who would take care of her. Yeah. She also, uh depending on who was ruling at the time, and if it was like a polygamous ruling class. The king could have his way with her whenever he wanted. So, that I might have. Maybe you were conflating the two a little bit, kind of like this woman that hung around. Yeah, that's totally what I was doing. Yeah, you think so?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, lady in waiting, not chambermaid. Lady in waiting. In the future, if we ever sorry. do
1: stuff related to the medieval times and kings and stuff I need it in Game of Thrones terms oh yeah so I need to know like. well I didn't you said chambermaid you
0: kind of want me to focus which I appreciate because I've had a really bad week so I was trying Damn. to keep it now uh, with the chambermaid thing specifically yes. but then as soon as I that came, when I was looking through chambermaid wiki I saw the words <laughs> leading and waiting I was like what's uh, a lady on waiting but chambermaid the, the word because it is a compound word I believe yeah. it's not two words I got that uh-huh. was conflicting to you on yes. Google
1: Compound together. That's how I would spell it. That's yeah. how he spells it in lyrics. So. Chambermaid, yeah, chambermaid,
0: still used today. It's it's specifically to mean people that clean hotels, and I don't know why. And I don't know. And if it I, said I heard it somebody too.
1: say chambermaid though, I think it would be pretty jarring. You wouldn't like. It's not colloquial know. any longer. Yeah, nobody yeah. says it anymore.
0: But when I was looking online, people were calling themselves. Maybe it's just like a quaint thing. It looks like I'm a chambermaid.
1: Or maybe if they work at, like, a nice bed and breakfast, there, are chambermaid oh, yeah. versus, yeah, like, yeah. At a hotel. Not. All
0: right, fair enough. Then I went on a search for famous chambermaids. Guess what? There are none. And when I say went on a search for it, I mean within the 30 seconds of looking through the first five Google results. So if it wasn't there, it doesn't exist. But I did find okay. three-ish poems about chambermaids. Three-ish poems. Three-ish. Ish, okay. Very short, except for the third one. That one's real long. <laughs>
1: so so uh, buckle in. <laughs>
0: So, the first two are by William Butler Yeats, mm-hmm. appropriately named The Chambermaid's first song, which I will read to you okay. now. How came this ranger? Now, sink and rest. Stranger with stranger. Now, I don't know if that second stranger is actually stranger. It's spelled or sorry, G-C-R, not G-E-R, and I don't know if this is a typo or not, because the website I found this on, totally bunk. Like, <laughs> I... I don't know what this website is supposed to, the punctuation's all messed up, but then I know people back in the day used to write, all right, let me start over. (laughs) Now that you know, that the second stranger could possibly be spelt with a C for no reason. It could be a different word, but when I Googled the word stranger with a C instead of an E at the end, not a real thing. Okay. So.
1: So it's probably stranger.
0: (laughs) Probably. How came this ranger, now sunk in rest? Stranger with stranger. On my cold breast? Question mark. What's left to sigh for? Strange night has come. God's love has hidden him out of all harm, pleasure has made him weak as a worm. Also Bahits, the chambermaid's second song. Oh From pleasure of the bed, dull as a worm, his rod in its budding head grows limp as a worm. His Whoa. spirit has fled, blind as a worm. That's that's it.
1: Encore <laughs> Third then,
0: Song <laughs> The really, really long dirty ass poem and this shit was definitely <laughs> written in like the 1600s it is so dirty i was like
1: i mean that was dirty as hell
0: that one it was yeah, i know i did it, just have to say the words rod and butting head yeah. Hula. Oh but this one i just just a stanza from it because it's long as hell yeah. but it gives you the flavor of what it's going to be like a ramble in saint james park by john wilmot Mott. no n mot unto this all sin sheltering grove horrors of the bulk And the alcove, great ladies, chambermaids, and drudges, the rag picker, and Harris trudges. But it, no, there's, he just got to say, he drops that C word, everybody hates a lot. Oh, no. Talking about, roll graphic about penises and things, it's too much.
1: So. So if you are adventurous. will
0: not. I don't know, man.
1: Yeah, he was a dirty, a dirty old man.
0: You know Walmart? You know about I don't Walmart? have any idea. <laughs> I'm just assuming. You've
1: got to be a dirty old man to just sit down and write an epic poem about penises. And... Yeah. So that's all I got. Perfect. Well, that brings anyway. perfectly around to kind of what I was going to want to talk about today. Uh, you had no idea. This worked out perfectly. You know, I think that songs like these uh, just sort of speak to themselves. You you wanted to search out poetry. And in a way, a lot of people read this like a poem. And so we're going to talk about that today. Bates talk with a chamber maid, she knows that I'm not afraid to look at her. She is good to me, there's a nothing she doesn't see. She knows where I'd like to be, but it doesn't matter. I want you. So John Berryman wrote that quote these songs are not meant to be understood, you understand. They are only meant to terrify and comfort. So how do we tackle this song? I don't know. Lyrically? I mean, the lyrics are outrageous. It's more of a fever dream than anything else. We get The Undertaker, who we see in episode two of our show, Uh, I Want to Be Your Lover. And obviously this is like a cousin to that song. You know, I Want to Be Your Lover is definitely a parody and just kind of a fun exercise for him. But he took some of those images and stuff and brought it over to the song. Um do we look at the organ grinder, the cracked bells, the broken cups, the queen of spades and the chambermaid, the flutes and the Chinese suits?
0: Do you know what an organ grinder is?
1: Yeah, it's like a, right, a guy who plays a thing. Yeah, so it's kind a of load. like a,
0: uh, a player piano, actually. Player piano. Oh, it's like yeah. a portable player piano where, yeah, you operate a crank yeah. and it has a, a, like a spool in there that has yeah. a, kind of like a music box. It's like a giant music box. That's awesome. Yeah. I did look that one up.
1: But, I mean, are we going to base a whole thing around... The organ grinder? I I don't know. So if we're not taking it lyrically, I mean, what are the options really? It's like, do we assign definitions to this, right? So like, does the undertaker equal blue cheese? Does rain equal Sarah? Wait, is blue
0: cheese like a real take? What? what? No, does the
1: organ grinder equal post-it notes? You know, does, does X equal Y? And then does X equal Y for your entire life? So like, if the undertaker means something here, does it always mean something there? And I think there's a school of people who look at poetry... And want to assign meaning. We assign meaning to his gross-ass talking about rods and shit like that. We know what he's talking about. <laughs> now, hundreds of years could have changed that entire dynamic of that poem. We, we would have to study it like we have to do sh- Shakespeare where we don't quite understand some of the stuff. But I feel like as time moves on, I think the song also grows in itself. That's what good poetry does. It's going to constantly move. So I don't think that doing that is is a good way to do anything. I think it's reductive. I think it's dumb. But it's also human nature, that desire to see those that we respect and admire in certain lights and then to justify it uh, with our own poetic inclinations. So before we go into a few crazy theories that I saw on the internet, and if I say yours, I do apologize. There is a point to the end, so please stick (laughs) stick with it all. (laughs) Kelly, I wanted you to come up with a unified theory of I want you. Uh, You famously, famously... (laughs) We're not into the song. You've slowly found yourself coming around. And you told me before this that you came around because of your unified theory of what the song is. You found yourself enjoying it more because you now understand what Bob Dylan's trying to tell you. So before I even get to the rest of them, I need you to tell me the unified theory of I Want You.
0: Let me start off by saying why I hated this song real quick. Yes. I hated the song because I thought it was the goofiest, dumbest shit I've ever heard. Like... That organ, which is why I went on a tirade about figuring out what that sound was. I assumed it was an organ, but I was just like, I need to know what that instrument is that's making this really feel like, to me, a bad 60s movie. That's just all fluff, no nothing, like, no content, just two white people spinning around and gritting like idiots. Like, And I don't care. Like, I just don't care. It's just that that organ sound, that doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. It just sounds like a bad merry-go-round. And that is my immediate reaction when we heard this on... uh, the Grateful Dead one. Dylan oh, the yeah, Dead. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, Daniel keeps saying that the original version of this song is good. But I'm like, I hear the song in here and it's not good because yeah. that doo-doo-doo I know is in that bucket. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: know that yeah. And they play that. Mm-hmm. They really hammer that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I hate that.
0: But then I listen to the cutting edge stuff. Yeah. And that that little organ sound that I hated so much sounds so cool when it's just the Cooper guy playing it. It made me think of Vampire Weekend because they have a lot of fun doo doo like stuff mm-hmm. in their songs.
1: It's not overpowering Especially that uh, yeah. first take
0: So That made me like A little bit more I still really really Couldn't stand the album Version at all But then Today When you're like What do you think The song's about And I hadn't really Thought about it Because I was like This is dumb shit Like this is just Some guy saying dumb shit And that's okay Not everything has to Mean something I'm okay with that So I'll, I'll take it At face value It doesn't bother me At all But then I was like What does this song mean And then I listened to it Again and I was like Oh shit I've unlocked the key This song is great <laughs> Yes <laughs> and still like still in the face of it probably not not for me but you never know i know what the song is about this song is about bob dylan being a murderous king oh
1: that's (laughs) badass
0: so in my head he all these things are him walking through the streets of a medieval city he sees the guilty undertaker because he's sent these people to death or he himself has even killed people right like i do what i want i'm Fucking Joffrey Lannister, yeah,
1: right. that's I, <laughs> or King Aries, yeah, or King Aries. Oh, better, better. Why did I say uh-huh. Joffrey? God, uh,
0: you know, he's like he sees the organ grinder, makes him feel, you know, like oh, what a sad blah blah blah. So that's the whole thing. The bells are ringing because of all his victims, bitch bells. By the way, so, yeah, bells. I know. Hmm. Um, Blowing my face with scorn. Everybody's like, we know you're you're the worst. Everyone knows he's the worst, and I think that's all. Every where you go, mothers weep. Everything is just him, like having to deal with the fact that he's terrible whether by his own direct actions of murdering people which i think he is in this song or having other people murdered by way of rule or by you know any actions he's taken i think that's all this is it open up the gate for me because like you're asking me while i'm drinking from my broken cup because i'm just slunking all squidgy in my chair joffrey style with this broken cup open (laughs) up the gate bastard king we're doing this and even like Game
1: of Thrones coming out next week. It's nothing to do. <laughs> no, no, no. No, not at
0: all. <laughs> yeah, all the, the fathers that are mad that I'm, you know, banging their daughters because right. I'm the bastard murderous right. king. The queen of spades, I'm coming home to my queen. And, but I don't care. I want to talk to the chambermaid because I want to do that too. Mm-hmm. I want to do that and then i think he murders the chambermaid's son i think that's who the dancing chinese kid or the kid in the chinese suit is i think she, he's like listen i really want to just like keep banging you on the slide your kid's real annoying i can't handle this so i'm gonna go ahead and take him out because he doesn't think i'm very cute because i want you because <laughs> i want you okay <laughs> so i think the i want you here is yes specifically the chambermaid in that last like verse where he's like god damn it i have to see the queen again and i really yeah. don't want to but I do want you. I want you, the chambermaid. But beyond, I like every time he says, "I want you." Before that verse, I'm seeing it as some weird, like, lustful murder face. Yeah. Like, ooh, I want, I want you. <laughs> so yeah, murderous king.
1: That's fucking great. <laughs> Is I that don't wrong? know. Well, I, yeah, I, <laughs> no Well, it's not wrong. That's number one for sure. I'm gonna run through some others, and we'll see. So far, I like yours the best. Nice. It's timely, and it's wonderful. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw it out there, and I've got a couple, couple good ones, but we'll see. Uh, first off some people, and this isn't really just from the dregs of the internet, but one person thought that this was an admission and acceptance of a heroin addiction. heroin addiction. No, it's not that. Uh, the the song by quote Dylan, the poet, that's a capital P for poet, uh, says that this song is about the sexual revolution and the guilty undertaker who represents the sexual revolution of this 1960s is sighing because capital T capital L true love is dead. (laughs) And then someone has the gall to pronounce everyone else wrong. They're all wrong. And declares that obviously the song is about Edie Sedgwick, who was with uh, Andy Warhol, his kind of girl during that time period. And they've got relations with Dylan. So he's saying, you're all stupid. It's about Edie Sedgwick. And his proof is that final verse. Which is uh, probably most convincingly explained as not being about Edie, but about being a woman named Anita Pallenberg. The man in the Chinese suit is probably Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones. The flute, because he was a multi-instrumentalist. And the last line about time being on his side is probably a reference to the Rolling Stones song, Time is on my side. Uh, So that little one is probably the only one in there that's convincingly wrapped into a nice little bow. However, is the rest of the song about her? Probably not, because it's fucking weird-ass Undertakers and shit hanging out. So going to go ahead and say no. However, the best response I ever saw ever was about this. And a lot of people just copied from Wikipedia and put that whole thing about Anita Pallenberg. I had never heard of her <laughs> in my life. Um, but this guy's a legend, this guy who wrote this. He says, quote, best of best. I like this song. It is about a woman movie star Dylan loved. I read the article from Wikipedia. Girl name is something name was at Anita Pallenberg. And then he pays from Wikipedia straight up. Just no shame. And then at the very end, he says, any songwriters like Nirvana, Bob Dylan, Placebo, can write me. Hey. I am also a songwriter. My email is... Proceeds to give his email and his YouTube. And then he says, Google me, best wishes, and listen to Bob Dylan more. Dot, 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 dot. For good music taste. Dot, 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 dot. Legend. Oh my god. Legend.
0: <laughs> so this is like a recent comment on the Yeah, internet? this is 2010. Oh no. Yeah,
1: the guy is... <laughs> So, I nineteen ninety four is gonna hit him really hard. Um <laughs> oh, no. and then others saw, as always, shades of society and war, so Vietnam is a fucking mess. Uh, it's getting worse, the Undertaker, or the drunken politicians fit. While the woman is, of course, Lady Liberty. Um uh, but also if you're spelling Vietnam as two words, I think that says a lot more about you than it does about <laughs> us. Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah, and so we know kind of where you're coming from, which is a little bit problematic. Um most of the time I saw, at least you had a unified theory. The entire thing, all the way through, you justified the whole thing. Most of the time, everybody online was like, verse 1 is this, verse 2 is this. Mm-hmm. Verse 3, you know what? I, I don't really know verse 3. I'll get back to you. But it's definitely about love. I mean, that's it's like the song's called I Want You. It's That's <laughs> a safe bet. So that happened a lot more than you would think. Uh, then it gets really personal. Somebody said the Queen of Spades signifies intelligence and is represented by Sarah. Because, of course, everything's represented by Sarah, even though they had just gotten together the year before. Whatever. But then he wants to leave Sarah for the chambermaids. So you're like – you're trying to be praising on it, but in fact you're saying that like – which is the truth. Bob Dylan would have definitely gone off with the chambermaids. So maybe that one's more accurate than we think. Uh, And then someone else thought this song, for whatever fucking reason, was about Ted Kennedy and Chappaquiddick. Ted Kennedy was a senator for years and years and years ago. Chappaquiddick, he was driving with a passenger, drove off an embankment into a river, got out – Fled the scene. The girl died. Oh
0: yeah, 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 and
1: he didn't report it for ten hours. That's right. So this song, I mean, I'm surprised we could, we didn't see it, but this song is about Chappaquiddick, well, which clearly. happened in 1969, and Bob Dylan was foreseeing it in 1966. I mean, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> fascinating. So yeah, it's amazing. So why do I bring all this up? Why do I bring it up? We talk a lot, and we continue to talk about interpretations on the show. None of those interpretations are wrong because they make people engage with the song. Even the people trying to get Nirvana and placebo to like write some songs with them. (laughs) If that's their way of engagement, God bless. You came up with a great theory. You could put that online and I would have read it on this podcast and probably in glowing terms, to be honest with you, (laughs) because it's unique. It really is. Um, You know, nothing's going to beat what we said in episode two, which is a cousin to this episode, which is that this is nothing more than Bob Dylan sitting on a park bench. You know, nothing's going to top you saying that because that's pretty much what we're talking about here. So I want to be your lover, he you know he the Undertaker's there, everything's there. So he's just spinning yarn with people and images cloaked behind metaphors and symbols that probably only have meaning to him. So it might be Brian Jones, but you know, it might just be it sounded good. It was an interesting idea that he's just playing with. This is poetry, you know, this is literature. And to seek knowledge is human. We seek to recreate and interpret words and phrases to craft some kind of a meaning. The more acquainted you are with the object, the quicker your brain seeks to build those bridges. That's the beauty of poetry, literature, song, what have you. It is available, but we must interact with it to make it truly come to life. But here's the truth. Oh, no. There's a strand of thought out there that says that Dylan, we, we we tend to take Dylan and we deify him. We bolster these myths that we all know or choose to forget about his life. Not only does context matter for the song, but the criticism, the analysis that we do, has context as well. There are so many people out there that want Dylan's songs to... Always be about social commentary or speaking about grand themes and ideas. There's one person that believes this song is sent from God and that Bob Dylan is basically Jesus and we should just listen to him and we are nothing. We should just be groveling at his feet. And that's, if every song is that, what the fuck's the point? The best part about poetry is the ambiguity, not knowing. When we can't sit with it, when our need to understand overwhelms us, we retread the same old paths in our head in the hopes of finding something new. But poetry is also about freedom. Not the freedom to read or not to, not to examine or to skim through, but a hard-won kind of freedom that requires self-motivation and intellectual honesty. I feel like it was Edward Hirsch that got it closest to what I want to see in all of this, which is, I'm going to quote him really quick, quote, The poet is incited to create a work that can outdistance time and surmount distance, that can bridge the gulf, the chasm, between people otherwise unknown to each other. It can survive changes of language and in language, changes in social norms and customs, the Ravages of History, which reminds me of episode six, Outlaw Blues, where we talked about Alan Lomax believing that folk music was a bridge that brings people together. You can walk across this bridge that is this song and meet up with the person on the other side and shake their hand, look them in the eye and say, I know you. We, we are the same person. This song, you know, I think that they're just characters. They're just flashes. They're images. I feel struggle. I see struggle. The I Want You chorus is this longing. I don't think that he's a medieval... Tyrants killing people. Oh, I'm Sorry. Still, still thinking that. Image. It's amazing, and I love it. Uh, for me, I don't even know what I think. I actually really don't have any emotions to this song because none of those images really lock in for me. I think the only one that really does is probably the Queen of Spades and the Chambermaid, um, mainly because I put it with the debutante that shows up in the next song, uh, Stuck Inside of Mobile, with the Memphis Blues again, where the debutante is the one who knows what you need. And then, in this case, with this metaphor, the Queen of Spades would be the one she knows what you want. So the debutante knows what you need, but I know what you want. So I don't know if Ruthie is Sarah or the queen of spades is Ruthie. And then Ruthie is an image of Sarah. I haven't really thought this far ahead. So I'm already losing my track of mind. Don't listen to me. I'm going, (laughs) I'm I'm losing my shit. Essentially like many, this song means a lot to me. I don't always know why it means a lot to me. It might just be because it's sandwiched between one of us must know and stuck inside of mobile. I don't know. I, I just can't imagine not having it there when I'm listening to the whole record. But when you stop to think about it, I think it just sounds really great. All of, this, all of the words just fit perfectly and it just sounds like a nice little jumbled mess that you're allowed to play around with. And I think we did. I think your interpretation is the best. And I think from now on, I'm probably either going to see it in Vietnam or I'm <laughs> going to see it in Westeros. Yes. Straight up. So Move aside, sir.
0: Order your man to step aside or there will be violence.
1: All right, so that's that's our take on on poetry and just the way we look at things and I think really when you're critical it's great and that's what we try to do here. So any final thoughts, Kelly?
0: I mean even the politician thing, it could be people on the the royal court, I'm telling you, man. It's could be definitely
1: myself.
0: Yeah. Sure.
1: Kyber, not, 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 not even a master. not even a
0: meister. My your curse. It's not even a master. That's way better.
1: <laughs> you're way better at huh? that. We can't put any of this in. <laughs> Just like stealing straight up. All right. So I think we've I think we made our point. We've certainly made a point. Um, so this has been I Want You. Before we leave, we are going to close out the show first with our world-famous recommendations. So, Kelly, <laughs>
0: world famous. what
1: what else? Uh, obviously, we were sitting with the song. You at first hated it. You came around to loving it. Game of Thrones had absolutely no influence on your, your enjoyment of the song. <laughs> what else were you doing this week that sort of – uh, either took you away from this monstrosity or maybe brought you closer to him?
0: Um, nothing. I, it was really stuck with this song. for the. My God, stuck in my head in the worst way. I can hear it. Just like, I feel psychotic. Love it. I didn't really have time to do anything this week, which sucked because I was just so stupid busy working like eight million hours. And I don't know, I've been watching Top Chef in <laughs> lots of Game of Thrones, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I did want to say today because of our playlist that I recommend, very not well-known, very niche group oh. called uh, Miles Davis in <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 1957 album, Birth of the Cool. I don't know. Huh. I just love that album. I've listened to it a bunch, and um, specifically Moon Dreams is just like really other – just takes me to another place. It's really transportive. So, yeah, Birth of the Cool, Miles Davis, 1957.
1: Yeah, there you go. Perfect. I want to rec- recognize rec- – rec- Recommend. Rec- 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 <laughs> All right. I want to recommend – two albums that i listen to the first one is by john morland it's called big bad love he's a singer songwriter out of oklahoma very interesting songs it's kind of takes me back to being in the, the midwest i want to recommend bong mountain uh they have a record called you're doing great in parentheses for the record well well done uh-huh. uh, it's really good it's just like sort of um i guess it's um it's you know punk but also kind of pop punk and like Power Pop, I mean, I guess last week was really a lot of that, and so I'm certainly in a in a mindset um from here, but yeah, I'd never heard of bong Mountain before, and uh their name is Bong Mountain, I mean it's <laughs> fucking fantastic, so and their songs are really great, and they're at the same time, I love self deprecation in my songs, but then I love that sense of uplift, you know, like we're gonna do better, we're gonna be better, we're gonna try to overcome our our own internal bullshit that we kind of carry with us so you know, those always get me. I watched Glow. I finished Glow. Yeah, a week late, you know, so great discussion that we're never going to (laughs) have. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I laughed. I cried. I was just overwhelmed with how great everybody was. And it just was, it just, it was challenging in in its own ways, but it wasn't over the top. It just didn't care about how it went from A to B on plot. And it just kind of did. And it was better for it. And i Thoroughly enjoyed it. And, of course, Game of Thrones. So, binge mode. (laughs) Just finished Season 6. Binge mode. um, I can't even express how excited I am. You're listening to this episode. uh, The Season ones come out. So, we will actually be talking about that on the episode of Mixed Up Confusion next week. If you want to hear us talk about Game of Thrones. Low-key Game of Thrones podcast. So, don't even worry about that. We'll do that later. But, uh, yeah, we're a real podcast and a low-key Game of Thrones podcast (laughs) coming at you. Um, So, we're going to be doing that. Uh, You can follow us at sotwpod.com. S-O-T-W-P-O-D. On the Twitter, the Tumblr, the Facebook, <laughs> the Instagram.
0: Sound older. Try to sound SoundCloud.
1: older. Sound <laughs> Oh, God. The More Pinterest, we said. We More said Pinterest. I got I the one picture there.
0: Oh, God. I get
1: so many emails from them.
0: From Pinterest? I, I keep
1: forgetting to, like, Did you know track.
0: you have a Pinterest account? Did you know? Hey, did you know you have a Pinterest account?
1: Yeah. Do you want to add something to the Pinterest account? No. It's like they don't even know that all I want to do is add Bob Dylan photos and they just keep (laughs) offering me like art stuff, photography. Like, come on. I'm not into that. I am into that, but not into it in this show. I'm not supposed to. This show is all, I I live and breathe Bob Dylan. That's it. (laughs) All right. And then a couple of show notes before we get to the final, I deleted folk singers choice and the gaslight tapes from our spreadsheet list. I also deleted a duplicate of God knows. So we've, as it turns out been in the darkest timeline this entire time now i'm not going to freak out this is not king of france all over again i've taken a deep breath and i've come to terms that this is just the darkest timeline in some other timeline we have uh, better equipment and we're just better people this timeline we're just trash we're trash still alive i mean who knows (laughs) and we talked about 2016 heaven and 2017 heaven and yeah i mean there was a or was it Divine? It could have been God knows. I mean, that was only a few weeks ago, but I don't know. I also added Denise Denise, and I added, again, The Ballad of, Do- of Donna White, which I didn't realize I took off. So my bad for all the Donna heads out there. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and pick our final song. Not final. I always say that. Fuck. Finally, have-
0: let's pick our song for next week. You could say that. If you got to get the word final in there. I don't
1: have to. I just always forget. <laughs> well, goodbye, our first Blonde and Blonde song, our first Thin Wild Mercury sound song. So – Let's go ahead and pick uh, from here. So I'm our, so
0: nervous for this album now.
1: Oh, it's gonna be—it's amazing. I don't think you're gonna need to be nervous. I think it's got everything that that you would enjoy. Yeah. It's got this that will annoy you, but then it's got <laughs> some of the best harmonica work you'll ever.
0: Well, get I do love. It. See, that was the one like saving grace. of The song—if that did did it wasn't happening, I would have been like, yes, this song's great. There you go. And it really just brought me the wrong yeah. way, man. I well, I,
1: you got to take chances on some songs. I mean, they all can't sound the same. They all can't be perfect. I mean, most of it can be perfect, but it's not that. All right, so 522 is our number. So one out of 522, what do we got? 201.
0: 74. wow.
1: I would say you're getting closer, but that's not a thing. And eh, no, that's not. All right, you said 201? Mm-hmm. Could have had, ooh, from Highway 61 Revisited, the amazing, it takes a lot to laugh, it takes a train to cry. You will very much love that song. Dude
0: loves trains and bells. <laughs> he loves trains and bells.
1: <laughs> instead, instead, you're
0: making such a weird face. What's happening?
1: Instead, it's a wiggle wiggle. Like, oh, no. oh my god! <laughs> it's it's on the same vein. It's woogie boogie.
0: What? Use <laughs> a song named woogie boogie. Woogie
1: boogie from 1970s abomination self portrait. <laughs>
0: so upset your face (laughs) I
1: I feel hot (laughs) we go from I want you to woogie boogie seriously this is you can't highlight what type of show this is you do not get to have it takes a train to laugh Uh, it takes a lot to laugh it takes a train to cry you do not get that you have to have woogie boogie before you can get anything in life (laughs) you have to go through hell
0: the darkest timeline
1: Oh, it is the oh no are you real are you this is really crazy. And inaccessible and maybe too dark. Maybe to them, but not to us. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Hot. Hot, hot, Oh, see, this is what keeps me up at night. All right, so next week, it pains me to say it. The audience, it was beautiful. Thanks for jo- joining us. <laughs> Check in some other time when maybe we have a different song going. But we are doing Woogie Boogie. Next week, I'm, so I'm gonna be straight with you. I have no clue uh, what I want you to look up for Woogie boogie, but I'm gonna say, uh, wh- what what what's a woogie and a boogie? I mean, let's get some etymology in here. Like, what are we looking at? What's what's going on? Oh yeah. All right. So that's our episode. Any final thoughts on on I want you? Dun, dun, any dun, 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 any pre thoughts on woogie boogie?
0: Oh, I'm I'm in. You're I'm in. so excited. I'm you were so upset. It can only be great. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna to try to get some water, and we will see you. Uh, we'll see you next week. Actually, we won't. We'll see you on Thursday for. We'll see you on Friday for our special oh low-key Game of Thrones uh, mixed-up confusion. So join us then. Good night. Bye.